You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. We are going to make a significant change to the starting lineup. We are going to elevate Sam to be the starting quarterback. So now, Sam Ellinger, despite the fact that Matt Ryan is fully guaranteed on his contract for the next two years, is now the starter. We did not hold up to our end of the bargain here, right? I mean, you came here and we promised you a top NFL rushing game and we promised you great protection. And we haven't really, as an offense, delivered on that. That's basically, you know, my message to Matt. This whole thing, there's something wrong here, man. There's something wrong with this football team. Because 1 through 53, or let's just say 1 through 52, they should be better than this. This team should not be struggling like this. Something... And it isn't just Matt Ryan. This is this is ridiculous. They're committed financially to Matt Ryan, but shoulder separation or no shoulder separation, Frank Reich says this was going to be the move. This yeah. is a sea change right now in Indianapolis. I'm blowing with the wind of change. Mark, I thought you'd throw in there, we have Matt Ryan. That was my favorite drop, and now I feel like I have to retire it already. Are you kidding me? This one's from Mr. Gilmore. Well, that one, that's, only timeless. That. that's a timeless classic. Just like Winds of Change by the Scorpions, by the way. Hey, Jake, um, it's either you or I that do the tease each day for the next day's show, and it was myself yesterday that did it, and you know, right as the show ended, started to hear that, you know, well, remember that Jim Ursay wanting to bump up Sam Ellinger to back up a few weeks ago? Uh, I'm starting to hear that that might turn into bump him up one more spot in the depth chart. So I ended the tease yesterday with, we'll recap Pacers and Sixers, and will Sam Ellinger be the Colts' starting quarterback moving forward? Did you really? Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, three hours later, before Halloween, that, that to me is the most jarring aspect to it. Again, I think there's merit. Frankly, I applaud the Colts for admitting that they were wrong. But the fact that we're sitting here on October 25th, and Matt Ryan's been benched for the first time in his NFL career. There are two ways to look at it, Kevin, and I want your viewpoint on this. I think we may disagree. Viewpoint one is that the Colts feel like they're close and they need something to get them over the hump to put them back in the mix. Viewpoint two is the Colts know it ain't going to happen this year, so they might as well start looking forward long term. Which way are you? Yeah, I think Jim Irsay believes this will be a jolt to get them back into whatever 2022 mix there is. I believe that deep down, maybe not in the front of their mind, but deep down they know it's over. And that Matt Ryan, you'd hit your ceiling. What what more were you going to do? With Matt Ryan, you were... the The two key things here to me said there, and I'm going to say this so many times this morning, you're going to get tired of hearing it. But the two things that he said there, Frank Reich, that were key to me. Number one, it wasn't about the shoulder injury. If the, if the shoulder injury hadn't taken place, this would still be the move. Yeah, they easily could have hid behind that, which I think is Correct. something to get into a little bit later. And number two, we didn't do what we promised. That's an indictment on the general manager. Without question. So... Somebody came to Frank Reich or or whatever it may be and said, you know, this is the move that we need to make. 
and whether Frank Reich is in his mind justifying the move by pointing the finger at Chris Ballard or whether Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay went to Frank Reich and said, this is the move that's going to be made because you didn't offensively come up with enough plays for Matt Ryan, whatever it might be. It looks to me like a couple of different scapegoats from different angles. But either way, Colts are a mess. Good Tuesday morning to you. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton here on what is a nice temperature start again to this Tuesday. Sounds like some rain in the forecast today. Um, Bob Kravitz going to join us a little bit later in the show. We'll get Bob's thoughts, obviously extremely plugged in with Jim Irsay, and get his thoughts. Bob was never one. I don't know if he never was, but certainly early in the year was calling for a benching of Matt Ryan. Um, Jake, it's weird to sit here and think to myself, again, I'm applauding the Colts for admitting their mistake, but similar to the Pacers when they traded DeMontis Sabonis last year, I sit here on this Tuesday morning and think, for the first time since Andrew Luck retired, I see an organization, and maybe it's the owner, maybe it's solely the owner that made this call, but I see an organization that finally has said, here is a step towards the future. Here is an ounce of hope. Here is us saying that the short-term Band-Aid approach, patching up the tires, is no longer going to work. And for me, and I think for Colts fans out there, they should look at that as a sign of hope. It's not a major, I'm not talking about some giant, Sam Ellinger is going to have a statue next to Peyton Manning by 2030. But it's a step forward in the direction that I think you have to go at quarterback in the NFL. And to me, I think that is the most encouraging sign from yesterday. There are a lot of issues. You just pointed out, Jake, the lack of support that they provided. Matt Ryan, which was well said by Frank Reich yesterday. But more than anything, that move to me finally indicates an admittance of, all right, we need to do something different at quarterback and a commitment to finding the longer-term answer there. The first sign of that happened yesterday. When... A couple of weeks ago, it was maybe a month ago, I had a conversation with someone close to the Pacers. And they were discussing the the Pacers' complete rebuild. And the Pacers can call it what they want. It's a complete rebuild. And it was not done overnight. It was not done in a vacuum. But in talking to the person that was trying to explain to me and essentially ask those of us in the media to understand the approach from the Pacers and have an understanding and therefore almost an apologetic nature to the fans about it. But in terms of that approach, the person I was having the discussion with, who has the ability to change some things for the the basketball franchise in town um, or has some some power I guess I mean not uh, I'm not gonna say who but anyway they just in the discussion they like inadvertently kind of not slipped up but they just said you know it's like the Colts trying to win with a different quarterback every two years you can't do that and we couldn't get into that we were in that trap with running back same roster and being in a sixth seed every year. 
you eventually have to say enough's enough. And so the Pacers did a complete rebuild. I'm not saying the Colts are doing a complete rebuild, but I think it's interesting that the other franchise in town had the wherewithal to see what the Colts were doing and say to themselves, they basically have their ankles in quicksand and they can't get out of it. This is the only way out of it. Now, is Sam Ellinger ultimately the guy, the question that that remains, Kevin, and we don't know this answer. Jim Irsay doesn't know this answer. Frank Reich doesn't know this answer. And that is, is Sam Ellinger the guy in terms of the future of the quarterback position of the Indianapolis Colts, or is Sam Ellinger simply right now the guy that is representative of a change at quarterback of the future of the Indianapolis Colts? I want to answer that question. I think to be fair, it took the Pacers several years to admit that. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, no argument there. And not to turn this into a Colts pace. It's taken debate. the Colts several years, right, too. Right, right, w- w- without a doubt. Um, I don't think Sam Ellinger's Tyrese Halliburton, Jake, but I've always been a big believer in that. When you have a veteran quarterback, an aging quarterback, a Band-Aid, a stopgap, however you want to label the route the Colts have taken over the past few years, I think the backup should be a young guy. Because as soon as you realize that starting quarterback cannot get you to January contender type level, which is very evident in this 2022 football team, then I don't need to see Nick Foles in the lineup. Right. I want to see the young guy. Well, it makes you wonder why in the hell they signed Nick Foles to begin with. Well, again, they thought they were Super Bowl bound or had a Super Bowl caliber team. So if Matt Ryan were to get hurt for a game or two, they would go with Nick Foles over a guy like Ellinger. Um, And so I have no issue in giving Ellinger a shot. I think his ceiling is like a really good backup quarterback. I find it very ironic that the Colts are playing the Commanders this Sunday and it's Taylor Heineke. I watch Taylor Heineke and think, oh boy, I feel like I'm watching Sam Ellinger at times at Grand Park or in the preseason. Um, And, you know, Ellinger, to his credit, made some big strides from year one to year two in arm strength, and that was probably the biggest question of him coming out of Texas. So, uh, at the very least, I think it's something new, and you're getting an answer on a young quarterback on your roster. And I think that's really important because there's no position in sports that changes more from practice than a game than quarterback. Sam Ellinger literally has worn a red jersey for the last two years outside of some August football. Now he puts on a different color jersey. He does it against real NFL Sunday talent versus the you know XFL arena guys that he primarily goes up against or went up against in the preseason. And now you're going to get an answer. And at the end of the 2022 season, you sit there and think to yourself, okay, we have an answer on Ellinger. Now it's time to decide the route to go at quarterback. Um, I think to go back to why the Colts are in this situation, for me, Jake, it goes back to the opening press conference that Chris Boward had when he said it's not about one guy, and he tried to downplay the quarterback position. And he believed that once Andrew Luck decided to you know, shock the world that the Colts took this approach of, we'll let other teams develop the QBs. We won't go through those young QB growing pains. We'll go stopgap. We'll create this awesome environment that will be easy to plug and play. And we'll reap the benefits of you know veteran quarterbacks finding this resurgence, if you will, in Indianapolis. And it sounded good, but it's failed. And I saw the stat going around Twitter a lot yesterday. If you take out Andrew Luck's money... It's $115 million. The Colts have committed to quarterbacks since Luck's retirement. A first-round pick, a couple third-round picks in trades, and the results have been no playoff wins, no division titles, 
and here you are once again at the midway point of the season needing gobs and gobs of help. So now it is a admittance, a reluctant admittance, primarily from the owner. Again, this is heavily owner-influenced. That today, October 25th, is the first time since Luck retired that there is a commitment and I think an admittance of like, all right, we've got to do something different at that position. On the day that Andrew Luck retired, Kevin, I'm going to name the franchise. You tell me who their starting quarterback was. The day that Andrew Luck walked off the field and that preseason game walked into that press conference and said, yeah, it's true. I'm retiring. Uh, New England. Brady? That is correct. The Chargers. God. Uh, Rivers? Yep. Cleveland Browns. Baker? Yep. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles. Wentz? The Los Angeles Rams. Goff? Yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Gosh. Uh, I got nothing. Jameis Winston. Got it. Tennessee Titans. Tannehill? Marcus Mariota. In 2019? Miami Dolphins. Fitzpatrick? Josh Rosen. So since then, and I know it's easy for people to say, well, you know, because I saw it yesterday. You hear it last, but you hear it. Well, the Colts, you got to keep in mind. I mean, Andrew Luck completely surprised him. Since then, the Rams have won a Super Bowl with a quarterback other than Jared Goff. The Bucs have won a Super Bowl with a quarterback other than Jameis Winston. The Titans have gotten a number one seed with a quarterback other than Marcus Mariota. The Dolphins have gotten themselves back into contention with a quarterback other than Josh Rosen. The Browns have spent, and you could certainly make an argument that this is the wrong one, but you know, invested in a long-term quarterback. The Eagles are undefeated with a quarterback other than Carson Wentz. The Patriots last year were in the playoffs with a quarterback other than Tom Brady. It can be done. It's just a matter of making that move. It's like jumping into a pool that you know is cold water. Doesn't take long for your body to adjust in the water to get warm, but standing there knowing that you've got to jump into it is the first step. And Chris Bauer just stood on the diving board. Way too long, right? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good analogy. Uh, We'll play some Frank Reich audio. From yesterday, again, Sam Ellinger, the starting quarterback this Sunday. It is a grade two shoulder separation for Matt Ryan. Reich did say yesterday that um, the injury is not impacting the Colts' decision on this. He said if this was kind of a normal week and they'd be sticking with Ryan, there would actually be a chance he could play on Sunday. But he will not practice this week. He will be inactive. Nick Foles will be the backup. Um, so is Zaire Franklin the only captain that on the field that plays? I can't remember who else the captains were. Do you? Oh, they got a lot of them. Don't they have six? I thought they had one on each, like special teams, one offense, one defense. I thought Nelson was a captain. Taylor, Buckner. Buckner would make sense, yeah. Buckner, Franklin, Leonard, Nelson, Kenny Moore, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Now, does Matt Ryan, does he get to keep... Did Matt Ryan just play the final game of his NFL career? Yes. Certainly, his final game was a Colt. You can't take the egg off the face at this point, right? 
If Matt Ryan wanted to continue to play, Kevin, I think there are probably there's probably a team out there that would give him a shot next year. How about you trade him before the deadline next Tuesday? That I mean, we, we can get into this more later in the week, Jake, but some quarterback tears ACL this weekend on a playoff team. If I'm the Colts, I'm saying, you want Nick Foles or Matt Ryan? Please. Please. I, I think this move yesterday, again, owner-driven, is an indication of if Stephon Gilmore comes to me and says, oh boy, this, is, this isn't what I signed up for. Care if we entertain some trade offers and you can get a nice draft pick back for him? I'd do it. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Then, though, Kevin, you are admitting that this yeah, is a rebuild. Yeah, but you know what, Jake? It's time to look towards the future. I, I mean, I'm with you, obviously. Yeah, that's I, To I, me, that's what this is. I know to that's me, devil's advocate, this, but... This, uh, to be as point blank as this, to be as point blank as this, and I'm not saying it happened this way, but to simplify it, to me yesterday what happened was, and I know this isn't exactly how it happened, Kevin, but just to put it in the form of like to make it understandable. To me yesterday, Jim Irsay walked into a meeting, threw down a playbook, and went, guys, it's over. It's over. Frank, you had your shot. I I, I brought you. We, we went out and got you Carson Wentz, and it didn't work out. Chris, you said that we had the trenches to be able to bring in a veteran quarterback, and it didn't work out. So guess what? We're going with my guy now. It's over. You guys can do what do with your toys what you want, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now, we're no longer playing with the Tonka trucks, and we're no longer playing with the sit and spin. Uh, here's the big wheel that I want you to play with. Have fun. <laughs> sit and spin. Those were awesome, weren't they? Did you ever do a pogo stick? Were you a pogo stick? Yeah, no, I'm not coordinated enough. It actually kind of feels like at the quarterback position for the last like five years, the Colts have been just doing a pogo stick. It, you're just jumping up and down, doing the same thing, hoping you don't hurt yourself it's like and a not pogo, getting anywhere. Pogo stick with a bunch of roller skates on the ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on on ice. Yeah. Um, I think to kind of summarize just my thoughts yesterday, Jacob, it is just so jarring to think that they have benched Matt Ryan before Halloween. And again, there is merit. There is merit with Ryan's own play. And as Frank Reich, again, accurately pointed out yesterday, the Colts have not supported him in any way, shape, or fashion to the level that they thought they would support him. But teams wait too long to admit that they are wrong. No question. And I guess that rhymed. I didn't even, didn't even mean it to rhyme. But... This, to me, is a sign in that direction of, all right, let's get an answer on Ellinger. And again, my belief is nice, high-level backup. But you try young, you try youth, you finally put him into an NFL game. He's never thrown an NFL pass. He's got some legs. He can provide a little bit of a different feel to your offense. You play him for 10 games. You get to the end of the season. And then you evaluate and make a move that, should have been entertained more seriously in the previous off-seasons, and that would be drafting the quarterback of the future. It's funny. I remember like during the preseason, you know, during camp, when people started calling in, and I, I can't remember which one of the two of us was like, are they going to have to keep a roster spot for Sam Ellinger? And at first it was kind of like, I don't know. They, they might. They seem to like him. Great preseason. 24 of 28 in the preseason for Ellinger. You know, it just – it's gone from there. I mean – a week it is amazing to me think amazing to me think it is amazing for me to think kevin that 9 days ago 9 days ago 
I had mentioned and was rightly questioned for it when I said, watching the Jacksonville game, all I could think to myself was Matt Ryan looked really good, but it doesn't change the fact that they are inevitably still within two years going to have to move away from that. And you very rightly, and I think it was Tracy the caller very rightly said, look, man, they just won yesterday. Like that's the wrong time to bring that up, which it was because neither of us had any idea that actually that was eight days away. And here we are. I I never would have guessed it was coming at that rate to your point. And I, I just get the, here's a better question for you, Kevin. The exact same thing happens on Sunday. The exact same thing. The Colts look anemic on offense. Frank Reich says to the woman doing the sideline report that, you know, hey, I told my team this is exactly where we want them. This is how we what we do. We score, and then we're back in the game, and we have Matt Ryan. That's the we exact. Have Matt Ryan. Yes, that. That exact same scenario takes place with Jim Mercer sitting there watching, but it's in Glendale, Arizona against the Cardinals. Are we uh, having this the, discussion? I thought you meant the Super Bowl this year, Glendale, Arizona. Uh, Matt, Jim Mercer wanted Matt Ryan benched earlier this season. He did. Had to be talked off the ledge of it. And that was when they promoted Ellinger. That was the first sign of, hey, we'll listen to you, but we're not going to go fully there. Right. Well, the there, there cannot be any denying that for Jim Mercer... There are two things that are the ultimate cardinal sin. One is losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars anywhere, and the other is losing to Tennessee for the second time in the same season. And looking flat, doing it. I don't know how the vibe you got from fans. I got a general like relief with yesterday's news. I got more of just an incredulous nature of like, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, certainly there's some of that, but like a relief of like, you know what? I'm kind of looking forward to watching Sam Ellinger. No, on I would Sunday. agree with that. Again, once you know the answer is not there, i.e., Matt Ryan, move on. I mean, I remember when Kelly Holcomb got snaps and people were like, "Oh, let's see what this guy can do." You know, I, Paul Justin. I mean, there have been different guys. I, I I tweeted it last night. In the 14 years prior to Peyton Manning's arrival, when the Colts came from Indianapolis, they used I think 14 or 15 different starting quarterbacks. Sam Ellinger will be the 13th since Peyton Manning's departure or since Peyton Manning's final snap because they used a couple of them in that year when he was still on the roster. But still, th- th- this is life in the NFL, Kevin. For most franchises, this is life in the NFL. We'll get more into the Sam Ellinger impact of things, where he will change this offense um, for those that I think most people know, but it's a pretty incredible story, Sam Ellinger getting to this point. Um, in his life, frankly. He's been through a lot off the field. Um, again, a quarterback that can definitely make plays with his legs. Uh, went with Tom House, who's become this kind of household quarterback guru in the offseason. Changed his motion a bit, improved his arm strength. I think you saw some of that. At least I saw some of that in training camp and in the preseason. Obviously, though, this is a guy that still has yet to throw a pass in an NFL regular season game, and it'll be a big jump for him. Now being game plan for and throwing to guys that he probably hasn't thrown to very often in practice. And then, of course, having to do it at NFL speed on Sundays. But Sam Ellinger versus Taylor Heineke at 425 p.m. on Sunday. Just how we all drew it up. <laughs> exactly how we drew it up, right? Uh-huh. 
you know, when the schedule makers said Colts and Commanders at 425 back in May, let's put them in more of a national spotlight. Heineke Ellinger was on the tip yeah, they of their to get tongues. Sam back in his Big Twelve. You in a, know, in a week schedule. that right. started with Gus Johnson doing the game. In a week that be. started with the discussion of the removal of the Washington owner. It ends the week with the removal of the quarterback of the Colts. Jim Irsay's Jim Irsay's all over the map with that man. I mean, I mean that in a good way, not a bad way. Crazy First time stuff. Matt Ryan's been benched in his 15 year NFL career. That's got to be right, unless health. I mean, I don't know his health history in Atlanta, but right. I mean, first, I mean, this first is performance based. Reich made it clear yesterday this is not due to injury. That's what I mean. I'm saying I don't know in Atlanta if there was a time where he missed games because of injury. We'll take your calls three one seven two three nine ten seventy. Your thoughts on this move yesterday from the Colts? Again, the benching of Matt Ryan jarring without question due to the date. Some merit behind it. I would go there, and finally, an admittance from the franchise that the band aids. To Jake's pool analogy, it's like jumping into a pool with a Band-Aid. It's falling off constantly, and it's time for more of a commitment at that position. Jake, I want to go back to earlier this offseason and just a little bit of background and how the Colts got to Matt Ryan. Um, Again, the owner in particular, irate with Carson Wentz, and I do think Chris Ballard understood that. I think Frank Reich was potentially willing to give Carson Wentz another chance, but... um, the Colts did not have the first-round pick due to the Carson Wentz trade. Um, so basically, Chris Bauer told Frank Reich, all right, here are the free agent quarterbacks. Will you evaluate them? So the Mitchell Trubisky's, Jameis Winston's, Andy Dalton's, I forget who else, Marcus Mariota's of the world. Evaluate them. Let me know what you think. Frank Reich came back to Chris Bauer and said they all stink. They can't lead us to a division title. Um... Ballard said, all right, we'll just wait for the last one to be available. We'll hope some dominoes fall with Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and we will hopefully be in a position to where we can benefit from that. Obviously, Rodgers, nothing happened there. The Wilson move led to Drew Locke going to Seattle, so it's not like anything really developed there. And then, of course, the Deshaun Watson process eventually played out Atlanta's interest sparked Matt Ryan thinking to himself okay uh, my future is not here and boom that's where the Colts entered the picture and now where you're at here on October 25th I think it's Jim Irsay looking at this and saying wait a minute we don't have a vertical passing game we're dinking and dunking and the O-line stinks and the quarterback right now is turning the ball over more so than anybody else in the NFL, we could really use a QB that can move. And I saw the answer to this similar pattern play out last season. Let's do something different. And that's where you're at with Sam Ellinger now as your starter here in Week 8. And as Frank Reich said yesterday, the plan is for Sam Ellinger the rest of the season. Here is the other way to look at this, Kevin. Jim Mersey, I think, was on board with Matt Ryan. Because he wasn't Carson Wentz. And I think, you know, Matt Ryan obviously came in with a very lofty resume. The raves, rave reviews in camp. And everybody's all excited. So, Jim Mercer watches Matt Ryan play and thinks, wait a minute. Something's off here. 
And to be fair, people are thinking the same in Denver about Russell Wilson. People are thinking the same in Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know. But what this says to me is two things, Kevin. The first being, Jim Mersey decided, and, and believe you me, I don't know this for a fact. You probably know it better than I. But my assumption is that Jim Mersey walked in and said, Sam Ellinger's our quarterback. Enough. And that says to me one of two things. First, it says to me that Jim Mersey knows that even at his highest level of play, that this Colts roster plus a perfect Matt Ryan is not a Super Bowl contender. Because if he thought there was a shred of evidence, to use Bill Polian's quote, or he thought there was a, a 1% chance that a steadied Matt Ryan playing at his absolute best and this roster could combine for a Super Bowl, a Lombardi as he talks about, he would still be taking that chance. He would still be waiting for that to happen. But I think what it also... So that tells me that he, he thought... This roster isn't good enough. And kudos to him for, again, admitting uh, again, that in late no, October. Uh, no question. The other thing, though, is I think, and this is where I think Jim Irsay, this is a very smart move. It's entirely possible that Jim Irsay may be asking himself, this might actually, we think the Jake Queries of the world think that this move is some sort of an indictment on Reich or Ballard or whatever. It might be actually the preemptive to that because he may be saying, Jim Mercer may be saying to himself, I know that this roster, as it is tabulated, I heard Frank Reich saying, we didn't give the pieces around Matt Ryan. But in fact, what I need to determine is, was the problem the quarterback? Is the problem the offensive line and the receiver, or was that was it the quarterback who couldn't hold on to the football and was just too too old and hesitant at times? Am I getting a fair assessment of the roster that my general manager has built? I want to see what it looks like with a young, mobile quarterback. And if then they continue to still suck, then I know everybody should be on the hot seat. But I want to make sure that I have witnessed every variable of the equation before I make any drastic change in that regard. So we assume that this move was made as an indictment on Ballard and Reich, but in reality, this move might be made as the first step of the analysis of Ballard and Reich. But either way, I don't believe they made this move with the thought that Sam Ellinger is their long-term option and answer at quarterback, but at the same time, they you can't rule that out i mean you need before you make the decision that he's not you've got to give him the opportunity to show what he can do yeah i think it's important to evaluate him and i think far too often you see young quarterbacks get drafted and then you just never give them an opportunity to play and as i said earlier again no position in sports it's more different than practice than a game than quarterback um and i think that you know that thought can be said for really any player drafted in professional sports of at some point you need to give them a dress rehearsal and it needs to be a committed one and you need to see what happens when the lights are bright and you know what is real how they react to that so Sam Ellinger is getting a golden opportunity six round picks dream of this 
dream to get the opportunity that Ellinger is about to get here for the next couple of months. We'll take some calls here. Uh, let's begin with Scott. Scott, good morning. Hey, Kevin. This isn't about looking at Ellinger. Get a number, get top 10 draft pick next spring. And then after and before that, Reich is gone at the end of this season. And uh, you can see that the uh, re, just one year retired uh, New Orleans uh, coach will be here, but he won't come unless he's got a franchise quarterback. That's the plan. So that's Scott right there saying Sean Payton. You got to trade for Sean Payton. Uh, do you think Sean Payton's coming here to hitch his wagons to Sam Ellinger? You know, there are a lot of teams that are what's what's really interesting is there really are a lot of parallels between the NBA franchise and the NFL franchise in town. And by that, I mean people turning towards the lottery and like gifted players that they're looking at going, see, that's the answer. You want to put yourself in position right now. Only problem is in both leagues, there's like eight other teams doing the same thing. You know what I mean? So going into the draft to get a quarterback, I mean, that's great, except for the fact that there are you know other teams that want to do the exact same thing again it's it's weird to sit here and applaud the Colts for admitting they are wrong but that's where I'm at today in that for the first time since the luck retirement you are seeing a franchise admit that they are not close Kevin let me let me read you something real quick okay Mike Pagel Art Schleister Mark Herman Matt Kofler Jack Trudeau, Gary Hogaboom, Blair Keel, Chris Chandler, Tom Ramsey, Jeff George, Don Mikowski. Do you know what those guys all have in common? Those were all guys that were given an opportunity as the starting quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts when the general manager's name was Jim Irsay. So Jim Irsay knows about the challenge and the difficulty of finding the right quarterback when you are building a franchise. Chris Ballard, in this case, will get more understanding probably than will Frank Reich because he is doing a job that Jim Mersey has done before and doing it with the same similar results. To that point, Jake, I've always found it odd that Ursay signed off on this continued Band-Aid approach. Fair. Yes, like because Ursay lived quarterback purgatory. Fair, yes. As GM, and then saw what happened when he had Manning and Luck, and yet he continued to let his GM and his head coach operate. I'd say GM maybe a little bit more than head coach operate with a band-aid approach. Yeah, which is just a head scratcher to me. Michael says, says I think this sums up pretty much what I've tried to say so far. The most positive thing with this move is the Colts are no longer in denial, saying we're close. Yeah. I, I think that sums it up. And again, Ellinger is the only other option. So it, it by no means am I acting like, again, you're going to build the Ellinger statue and he's going to have you but know, here's the thing. poster on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. So, but this is where you're at right now. Of like He's the only young option you have. You throw him in there. You see what you have. And you can look at it two ways. Jake, one, he shows you a lot of good signs and maybe you have something. 
or two, he's terrible. You get an answer on him, and now you got a top ten pick for next season. So two weeks into the season, when Frank Reich, after they would lose a game, was saying like, you know, we're really close. I mean, we're just a couple of plays away from where we want to be. We're really close, and everybody rolled their eyes at it, and we were told that we didn't know what we were talking about. Was that Frank Reich flat out lying, or was that Frank Reich saying what he needed to to protect the status of Frank Reich? Because clearly they weren't that close. Because here we are a month later, and they've yeah, made a seismic Reich change. Just, Reich has just this incredible belief that they will get it figured out. I mean, I think if you asked him right now, literally we're like, do you think you'll make the playoffs with Sam Ellinger? He'd say yes. And he probably needs to say that. I, I get it. No, I mean, like, I think he legitimately means it. Like, if you hooked up a lie detector to him, I just think that's how Reich is wired. What you got to do next, Mark? Chris has a really interesting one regarding the Commanders game this weekend. Chris, what do you got? Um, just my, uh, my morning, uh, thoughts on 465 traffic as I'm driving around, I was thinking about the norm when, uh, owners visit, uh, and are hosted in, uh, during games and thinking of Ursay's recent comments about owner Dan Snyder, that that's going to be an awkward exchange this coming Sunday or not. Chris, would you rather walk around 465 once a month or watch Scott Tolzien quarterback the Colts for the entire season? Um, it's been so many quarterbacks ago. I don't even remember specifically the details about him, but I would rather take a shot at Scott Tolzien versus what we've been doing the last, like, you know, five years. I've said it, Jake. Uh, Ursay and Snyder in the octagon at halftime. Tart Glenn, Ring of Honor, <laughs> postpone it a few weeks. Ursay and Snyder. Now, Ursay might need a few props, I think, to kind of help him out. I don't like that, just hands and knuckles and. That's You're saying it. he's going to grab like a steel chair? Like Ursay, I think it'd be advantageous if Jim had a few props there. Ursay certainly managed to take that storyline off of the epicenter of this game coming up, right? And again, yeah, I, think I mean, that was the focal point, was it not? I think Sam Ellinger's got some Taylor Heineke in him. That's possible. I don't think Heineke's terrible, right? Lara Overton texts me, Brendan Gauden on the call. This Sunday, former Butler Bulldog, right? I didn't know he does NFL. I knew he does college basketball. Maybe I didn't know he does. Is he the voice of Madden? Yes. Continue to take your calls. What will this offense look like with Sam Ellinger? We'll touch on that coming up. Again, the NFL trade deadline is a week away. I think this move, to me, is another indicator of you listen to anybody on your roster. And Kevin, are they remodeling or rebuilding? Um, it's a significant remodel because the most important piece of your house needs heavy attention. But do they have... I think you have some nice pieces. Do they have a good foundation and a nice HVAC within the house? Uh, No, quarterback probably is HVAC and electrical and the whole shebang. Quarterback just means everything. You, you pay these quarterbacks an absurd again, $115 million. The Colts have paid quarterbacks, not named Andrew Luck since he retired, and the results have been zero postseason wins, zero division titles. You pay quarterbacks such an absurd amount because it can help cover up other areas that you just cannot get all the resources committed to. And I think the money you've committed to other players on the roster removes you from that rebuild mode. Fair point. They're now in some, like, bad cap situations with some guys too and that like really wasn't a thing and now you mean they actually paid at positions that weren't as important as the ones they should have been addressing I, that would be an accurate hmm. statement 
seems to be some debate as to whether or not Alaska has two panhandles. Although I think a chain of islands is what is regarded as the one area west of Alaska. And so, therefore, it is credited as only one panhandle. And if we're going to say we educate and entertain, we need to get to the bottom of this. Pray for those on the European tour guides with Jake. Boy. Excuse me, are you sure that that is Barcelona's smallest chapel? I do not. So I'm trying to get I some sleep. I don't want to sit next to the tall American. I don't. Uh, somebody did say that they wanted more British accents back on the program. Okay. Was that you talking in the mirror? Who said that? <laughs> it's time for a little Pacers conversation with Tony East. Speaking of the East. The Pacers for Sports Illustrated and Locked on Pacers. And he joins us now. Uh, Tony, let's actually start with Benedict Matherin's first half last night. I'm curious like, what you thought the issues were there and then how he rebounded in the second half because it is you know, easily the poorest stretch we've seen from him so far in the NBA. Well, Kevin, I, I'll, I'll try to do it with a non-British accent, but uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was the first half where it wasn't working for him, right? 0 for 7 at halftime, and it was his first NBA road game. They're playing against Joel Embiid, who's a master rim protector, but in general, just wasn't there for him. And he was still trying to do the same things that were working for him in the first three games, which is why it was so fascinating to me that you know he kind of tweaked his game in the second half and went to you know a little bit different approaches of attack. Still looked for the three a little more, but you know he, could, he couldn't get the shot to fall at the rim. He was still cut off from getting to the rim around screens in the way that he's been so successful in the, in the first couple of games of this season. But yeah, the Sixers, to their credit, did a really good job of kind of playing a good game plan, not letting him get comfortable getting to the shots that made sense for him because he couldn't get all the way to the rim in a way that he's been doing in these first couple of games where he's been finishing so brilliantly over basically anybody in his path. Uh, so it was definitely his worst half as a pro so far. Couldn't get a single shot to go, only had two points at the break. But uh, as we've seen with this kid, his confidence never goes away, and he, and he shook it immediately in the second half. Tony, if you were to look at this year's Pacers roster, which admittedly, as we know, is all just kind of a year-long experimental, almost like a tryout for who are going to be their centerpieces. Listen, we know that Halliburton is one. We know that Benedict Matherin is one. Outside of that, give me the names. If you were to list all of the players that are absolute future pieces that aren't going anywhere, the list ends where? It includes who beyond those two? Right now, it's hard to say anyone for sure. Uh, Jalen Smith has been staking his claim in the in the recent games when they moved him back to his natural position. Right, he played power forward and in training camp in the preseason, and they moved him to center on opening night. And the first two games for him didn't go very well. Right, I think he only had 15, 18 points in those first couple games. But they switched him back to the four. They started Isaiah Jackson at the five the last two games, and he looked awesome. Right, thirty six points, double double in both games. Has been cutting from everywhere, hitting his threes. Defense looks a little better. You know, he he has looked like the third best. Pacer uh, and one of the best young Pacers since he went back to the four spot, and you know they were so excited to be able to get him this off season uh, after having some financial limitations. You know, he's a guy that if, if you're going to have to pick someone out of the young core who's done the best and has done the best job to kind of show what they can do for this team, it would have to be him. Chris Duarte, of course, was an All Rookie Team member last year, former lottery pick, really talented uh, player, has had a really poor start to the season. In general, his resume suggests that he should be a guy that is a part of this core going forward, right? Good shooter, decent defender, but this season he's been, his shots been super off and he's been having a lot of trouble kind of fitting in on whatever unit he's a part of. Last night was his best game of the season. He went four for nine and defended pretty well. 
But so far, it looks like Jalen Smith's the guy who's who's taking the best claim. But nobody's really done a good job gripping onto a spot and showing that they should be on this team long term. But between Smith and Duarte, they have some guys who at least feel like they probably will get a longer chance than just one season of a tryout to be on the Pacers going forward. I'm intrigued by Neesmith. You know, I I know that they love – there are a couple of different guys, you know, like at the guard position, obviously there's not a lot of spots there in terms of starters. We know that it's going to be, you know, Halliburton and then Matherin in a 2-3. But Neesmith, to me, when when he's on the floor with those guys, looks to be one that they're going to take a long, hard look at. Your thoughts on him? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and uh, certainly Rick Carlisle seems to agree because he moved him into the starting five when they were struggling after two games, and something he talked about with Neesmith is every night he wants to guard the other team's best player, and that's been the case in a lot of Pacers games so far. He got a ton of reps on Cade Cunningham. He guarded James Harden to open the game last night, and uh, you know his, his shot was amazing in college. Right, His last year at Vanderbilt, he shot over 50% from deep and took a ton of threes. He projected to be this awesome three-point shooter in the NBA. That's why the Celtics took him in the lottery. And that hasn't necessarily been the case in the NBA so far. But for me, and for most NBA teams, if you can defend on the wing, there's a spot for you in the NBA. And Aaron Eastwood has done that for the Pacers so far. Right? He's really athletic on the wing. He can stick in front of guys at least reasonably well. and moves pretty well. So the defense has been the thing that's kept him on the floor and the offense has been a little bit better as the season has progressed despite having some choppy moments. So he's certainly intriguing in general just as a skill set they don't really have, kind of an athletic, defensive-minded player. And if he can kind of add that three-point shot, it looks like he could have had coming out of school. He could be an even more interesting piece for this team. So I certainly think they have interest in him, right? He was a big part of that Brogdon trade that happened in July. And so far, he's did a good job showing why they at least have some interest in giving him kind of heavy minutes going forward. Tony, I'm interested in your thoughts on Duarte a little bit more. A really slow start to the season. Obviously battled the toe late last year and the offseason. You know, we saw him for a brief appearance in the summer league. Um, what have you seen from him? It, with a naked eye, I feel like he's getting some decent looks. Yeah, you can't ignore the stats at some point, right? Because I agree with you, you know, both looking at the stats of, his, of how open his looks are and watching him. And he is taking shots that you'd consider good shots or shots he should be taking but they're not going in at all and so at some point it doesn't matter how good they are if they don't go in they don't go in you know 26 percent shooting going into last night's game is pretty concerning just over 30 percent now and for me it was not necessarily that it was shots were going in or not it's that he didn't feel like he was just totally connected with his teammates in a way that he was at times last season right he opened last season fantastic i mean that level was even above what I think the Pacers that he expected, but you know, that 27 point game showed how he can fit in both as a shooter and kind of an off the dribble threat. And this year when he's creating for himself or even when he's open, he just hasn't been able to, to make plays happen in a way that he did last year. And uh, I think that that is sort of concerning just from a fit perspective, but it's weird because his skills set doesn't seem like it should be tied to any, you know, lineup or any other player, but it just seems like he's kind of floating when he's out there in a way that isn't connected to the rest of his teammates. But on the other hand, like you said, the shots that he's taking are good shots. They're open looks. Like, he went four for nine last night and put, didn't have to work that hard to do it. You know, he only took two shots that were kind of questionable quality at best. So I, I think he will bounce back in terms of finishing plays, and I think his shot will bounce back. I think his percentages will come up. It's only been four games. It's been less than 200 minutes of Pacers basketball so far this season. But at the same time, it's weird that he just hasn't felt as connected with the lineups he's been a part of as he was last season, and he's taken some hard hits along the way. 
Uh, any update on Miles and his return? And, and you know, with him out, I'm glad to see that Carlisle has gone to more Isaiah Jackson, more Gogo Batadze. I think it's critical to feed them the five minutes, uh, starting five minutes, and um, you know, try and get an evaluation there. Yeah, they needed to get all those guys in there, which which has been, I guess, the only silver lining, if there are any, to uh, this Turner injury. I think that Carlisle told reporters before the game last night the expectation is still that. You know, some point on this coming road trip, which spans through next Monday in Brooklyn, uh, Turner could return to the floor. That's what he told us last week when he, you know, Shea Miles clearing it up for us himself. Uh, but he said he thinks it will be on this coming road trip. Shams Trani reported like a little over a week when it happened last Wednesday. So, you know, they play on ESPN on Friday. That seems like a, uh, a decent time for him to try to potentially return. Uh, when they play the Wizards, maybe he could go. Uh, tomorrow against the Bulls in Chicago, but it seems like at some point on this road trip, maybe in the next couple of days, we'll see a Turner debut for the first time this year. Tony, uh, last question for you. Do you believe it's interesting to me because there are so many teams this year? You know, Adam Silver's come out like, oh, tanking. You know, it's not as uh, teams aren't aren't as interested in that as we think. Uh, come on, this year clearly teams are, and I think they know it. Um, Rick Carlisle didn't seem to want to really get into the discussion of what would happen late in games if he's got young players on the floor that he needs to see how they respond versus trying to get wins. Do you think they like actively tanking is the wrong word. I don't want to sell Indiana short, but do you think that strategy comes into play at all of, hey, listen, this is about the future versus now? Yeah, I think you have to have those conversations, right? Especially with a team as young as the Pacers. They they spent the offseason, pre-training camp, whatever, talking about how it's a new era and they expect this project to take uh, you know several years. And Kevin Pritchard tends to statement about how it could not be the prettiest at times, right, in a message to fans. Like, I think they know that there will be games where it's ugly and that's a result of both the talent they have and the fact that they have the grace at least internally to, to kind of experiment and do those sorts of things where when it makes sense, you, you play your young guys in a close game, even if it isn't necessarily the best five guys to have on the floor to win that game at that time, right? If, if they were going to try to win right then in that moment, TJ McConnell, Miles Turner would be a lock to be out there every single time, right? You know, those vets have been there. They've done it. They, they, they can help you win in that moment. And it's not that they're trying to lose. It's that they're trying to win with different guys than necessarily the best five they could have out there, right? So that's why I think the tanking word isn't perfect. Because they're still trying to win in that moment. They're just trying to win with the young guys and grow those winning habits, get those guys on the floor, get them the experience that they'll need so that one day they can be very good and they can be ready for that situation, right? So, it, yeah, I mean, I think every team has to think that way, especially one in the Pacers situation that, won 25 games last year when they were trying to win, right? They, they had to change this direction. They had to go younger. So now they have to use those young pieces to build up to being the next good Pacers team. At T East NBA on Twitter, Tony East, uh, some Sports Illustrated coverage for the Pacers and also Locked on Pacers daily podcast there. Tony, thanks for providing a uh, break from Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger for us. <laughs> Matt Ryan's on the Lakers in my mind, Kevin. Thanks <laughs> exactly. Matt Ryan. Remember that last year, Jake? When we talked about the Matt Ryan on the Celtics during the playoff run, the right. shooter from Notre Dame who made a stop at a couple other colleges, and now he's like the Lakers' only competent perimeter threat. Uh, this from Greg. 
Surrendering in the middle of the season is the biggest money heist from season ticket holders that there is. We have five games of completely worthless tickets. I think that's a sentiment that a lot of people share. I don't think he's alone in that thought. Do you think the section of the fan base, Jake, or the season ticket members, and obviously this is Colts related, is more with Greg or more with good? Try something different. I'm excited to watch Sam Ellinger. I'm looking forward to seeing something different. The guy led the league in turnovers, the quarterback that I had to watch for the first half of the season. Give me something different. You're going to a different restaurant. You might not like your experience there, but at least it's something new. No, I think... Which is bigger, I guess. I think a lot of people probably feel both ways. I think a lot of people probably feel like, you know, I, I agree that this is the right move, but I wish they would have like told us at the beginning of the year this was going to be the case or that this was a possibility. Uh, I'm disappointed that I'm financially invested in it. I don't know that I would have paid full price to see this, but I'm still interested, so I'll go down. You know, yeah. I've already paid my money, so I'll go down now, that kind of thing. I, I mean, I do think that it's possible to, to feel both. For whatever reason... It seems, excuse me, it seems for whatever reason with, and maybe it's because there are just more people that this applies to, but more than any other franchise locally that we discuss, whether it be IU basketball, Purdue football, the Pacers, the Colts, Colts season ticket holders seem to be the ones that are often the most vociferous about their frustration with the timing of different things in terms of when their money is due. I can't remember what Is the that other a one. Luck retirement reference. They well, feel just like in general, uh, yeah, just in general, right? I mean, I remember like Ursay usually has public comments about the team right before season ticket renewals. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. Like you know, I wish they would have told us this before. This ridiculous. You know, I noticed that they waited until after the season ticket money was due before they submitted. You know, that kind of thing. It is kind of crazy when you look at the Colts' schedule, home schedule, the rest of the way. Obviously, you have the Commanders this Sunday. You're at New England, at Las Vegas the next two weeks. Then you have three home games until the last game of the season. So you only have three home games in like this, you know, nearly two-month stretch. The three home games are the Eagles, could be undefeated, and then Monday Night Football with Pittsburgh and the Chargers. So from a what-to-go-to-Lucas-Oil standpoint... Outside of your what your own football team looks like, seeing the undefeated Eagles and then a couple of Monday night games, well, some like nice entertainment pieces. You know, I said for I've been saying forever the Colts are going to beat the Eagles. I, I I might hedge that a little bit. You don't like that now? Is Ellinger a poor man's Jalen Hurts? That's what Boy, I saw that's, people hoping for on Twitter. I think you you're going to get like a little bit of a bounce here, but then there's tape on him. And then I'm not going to say he comes back to reality, but well, because we don't know what reality is for him. I, I, I don't think I think the area where you and I respectfully disagree, Kevin, and I don't, you know, there's no way to know with, which is right and which is wrong. I think the area where you and I disagree is that you feel like this move was made by Jim Ursay in hopes that they can still salvage something from this year, and I see this move as Jim Irsay saying that he realizes the ceiling with Matt Ryan was not going to get them where they need to be, so start it over. Yeah, I, I, I think there is a little bit of both, but I truly believe Irsay thinks that Ellinger can be an upgrade here in the short term. 
given the nature of the offensive line and given the amount of turnovers Matt Ryan was committing. But do you think that Jim Mercer thinks that Ellinger gives them a better chance to get to the Super Bowl? Uh, no, I think, yeah. If you're, you better not be thinking Super Bowl. If you're right. thinking that, you got issues. Well, that's my point. My point is that he clearly saw if Jim Mercer thought that they had a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's still your quarterback. But does Jim Mercer just want a home playoff game? Which I know it's crazy to even talk about it in that light, but is he just fed up with not being able to win the division? He thinks. Well, I, again, all right, maybe Tennessee. Well, if Derrick Henry gets hurt tomorrow and Tennessee finishes, you know, seven and nine, can the Colts get to eight wins? I am still convinced. So take this for what it's worth. I am convinced if the Colts lost that game on Sunday. With Matt Ryan struggling and turning the ball over, being inconsistent, whatever it might be, if that exact same scenario takes place and that game was in Denver or in Carolina or in Tampa, they don't make this move yet. I think it was accelerated by Jim Mercer's complete frustration, embarrassment, humiliation, anger over losing to a divisional team that has flat out yeah. made them their stepchild. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, Darren is a season ticket member and wanted to join that conversation. Darren, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I am not a season ticket holder, but oh, advice right. to them would be to consider it. don't sell your ticket and don't go to the game. Don't let them have the, the gate money Don't as far as the, the concessions and the parking and all the souvenirs. Just... Just let the let the seats be empty as a as a message to them how they really feel. Um, my other thing was, I kind of think with Ellinger moving in there, it almost doesn't put us back in time. It kind of puts us forward. You find out what he can do. You know, Ryan wasn't the answer. So if 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 they're going to make the decision to move on from Ellinger at the end of this year rather than getting into the middle of next year and having it happen, I, I just. I think the time is right for for them to do it. Darren, thank you. You said Tim is the season ticket member, Mark, since 84. Is that right, Tim? Absolutely, yes. Ever since they got here. I went with my dad in the beginning. I can remember Rick Venturi dancing across the field when we went 1-15. and (laughs) Rick Venturi dancing. I love it. Uh, Where are you? You think it's a heist, or are you looking forward to Sunday? Looking forward to it. And these people that are calling in and saying anything different, I wonder if they're real season ticket holders. I mean, I'm... Honestly, I'm a fan. I bleed for him. And uh, Sam, you, you got to find out if Sam's any good. Matt, no matter what anybody says, he lost the game uh, last Sunday. So it's time to put uh, Sam in and see if he does any good. And if you got something there, then you can spend your draft capital somewhere else. Does it make you in any way, shape, or form question the stability of the franchise in terms of the decision-making that takes place? It, You know... Everybody that I know is against Frank, and I probably in my head am as well, but he's such a nice guy. So, yes, I I think Frank and Chris, if it's time for him to go, they both go, but I actually think they're going to get another year. I think they're going to try to give Frank a young quarterback, and that's why they're testing out Sam. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, That's fair, Tim. I appreciate the call. I think that was really well said. Jake, I was thinking yesterday when Frank Reich made those comments, uh, that Zoom with him was around 2 o'clock yesterday and I'm thinking boy that was like 24 hours removed from those comments that we heard from halftime on Sunday when the tone about Matt Ryan was uh-huh. a little different we right? have Matt Ryan <laughs> uh-huh. which I guess they still have him right just now they as do. the third quarterback 
clearly just trying to instill some confidence in Matt Ryan at that point, I guess, but that didn't last long. Right? I'm glad I didn't like put in a t-shirt order to have made up. We have Matt Ryan. I waited on that one. I'm glad I did. Well, Smart. You, all you have that. to do is change the, the the V, and then you can have one that just says, I, I don't want to say VD. Uh, we had Matt Ryan. You just If you bought the t-shirt, we have Matt Ryan. You just get out your duct tape and somehow change it, and then you just have one that says, we had Matt Ryan. A lot of people did the duct tape with the Wentz number two to now Ryan number two. That's right. And then... You think number two might not see the light of day anytime soon for... Is Jacoby Brissett number two? Flush that, are they? Also? No, I think he was seven, wasn't he? he? Seven? Bob Kravitz is going to join us in a few minutes. We heard from kind of one side of it with Tim in the previous segment about a season ticket member, you know, intrigued, uh, ready for something different Sunday. I believe Derek is on the reverse of that. Uh, Derek, your your thoughts on this decision? Oh, good morning, guys. I've texted, uh, tweeted you guys several times. This is my first time calling in. Appreciate it, Derek. Uh, uh, no problem. Um, I'm on the other end, but I'm not as upset about what's going on with Matt Ryan now. It's just years and years and years of, of the quarterback purgatory that we're in now that's upset me. I've been a season ticket holder since 2010. I wasn't even living here when I first started buying the tickets. I was still in Mississippi. We didn't move here to 2012. That's how much I love the Colts. Um, I only had two tickets then, but now my family has expanded. We live here now. I have five season tickets in the club section. So um, just the way the team is going, the, the quarterback carousel, me being in the club section, the, the tickets are about twice as much as if I moved one section over. Uh, so I don't think it's a heist. I don't think they're doing this intentionally. I just don't like the value of my tickets falling because we've been in purgatory all these years. Will you maintain your season tickets? Well, on, in the club section, you have to sign a contract. Uh, actually, 2020 was supposed to be my last year on my contract, but we didn't, you know, they didn't have any fans go in. But they actually told our contract to the next year, so I had to pay for 2021. Um, and then I received a call from my ticket person, and they kind of, massage me and convince me if you you know if you sign up uh, for another three-year contract we'll send you these gifts and that you know uh, so i signed up for another three years so when this three years is up i don't plan on renewing definitely not the clubs club seats i would probably move back out of the club where the, t- the ticket prices are much cheaper what, interesting what town in mississippi real quick derek grenada mississippi uh, i heard you went through oxford uh you went to old miss game i graduated from old miss i did hotty toddy buddy <laughs> Derek, thank you for the call. Thank you for the insight. That's a conversation I think we can get into a little bit more later in the week with that. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic is joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Bob, I'll leave it kind of open-ended. Uh, how much Jim Mercy influence on this decision? A whole lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, when it comes to, to quarterback decisions, Jim is very involved. I mean, Jim, Jim is the reason why Peyton Manning got moved. Or I cut Jim's uh, why they draft Andrew. All these quarterback decisions are largely driven by Jim Irsay. And you can say that he's meddling, and he is meddling, but it is his team. And he wants to be front and center on those big decisions. Bob, when, when this decision is made and Frank Reich stands there at the microphone and says, listen, we didn't, we didn't put the right pieces around Matt Ryan. Uh, my concern was my Grigson Pagano meter went off where I went, uh oh, you got a coach here that's kind of pointing the finger at the GM. I don't know that it goes to that level, but 
in Jim Mercer's eyes, in your opinion, Matt Ryan not working out or needing to make a change from that is more an indictment on the head coach or the general manager or neither? Boy, that's a great question. Um, you know, probably, I mean, certainly the Carson Wentz was an indictment uh, on, on Frank Reich because he championed him coming here. He vouched for him. Um, I really feel like both those guys uh, have some blood on their hands for 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 uh, Matt Ryan. Um, you know, do, do I? I mean, I I was like you, Jake. I thought, gosh, you know, he's kind of throwing Ballard under the bus. But then I thought about it. I listened to it again, and I had kind of a different takeaway. I think he was just trying to defend. Matt Ryan by saying we haven't played worth a crap around him. I mean, they still have Jonathan Taylor. They still have three highly paid offensive linemen. Um, so it's not like the, the the personnel has gone south. It's just a lot of guys are playing crappy football. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob's latest, of course, on the Matt Ryan benching and Sam Ellinger, the new starter this Sunday. Bob, do you think this is more of Jim Irsay saying – we need to have one eye towards the future finally at this position? Or do you think Ursay legitimately thinks Sam Ellinger, if he doesn't turn the ball over, can be an upgrade right here in 2022? Yeah, I, I think he's been a big fan of Sam Ellinger for a while. I mean, I really believe that once they left, let Wentz go, or traded him, I should say, they, they were prepared, at least Jim was prepared to move forward with Ellinger. Uh, if they couldn't find a, a somebody else like like Matt Ryan, so uh, yeah, I I, I do. I, I think he understands that success is not a straight line, and you know I, I think if they if they're thinking clearly, they know this probably won't make a big difference, you know, uh, any more than Taylor Heineke is going to turn around the Washington Commanders. I mean, this team the die is cast with this team. I think it's the right move. I think um, it, it brings a little bit of juice to this team that is uh, currently lacking uh, that particular element. So uh, I, I think it's the right time. I, I'm, I'm kicking myself because I was in Nashville in the press box. And I'm like, I'm going to write. It's time to make a change. It's just time to make a change. And I kind of let myself get talked out of it, my fault. And... The next day, here we go, press conference, we're making a change. So, I mean, my instincts were right, but I, I got, I'm 62, I got to trust my instincts. Hey, Bob, lost your fastball, Bob. couple of questions that Kevin and I are discussing this morning, and I want your critique or analysis of it, Bob Kravitz of The Athletic, because as I've always said, Bob, I think you're as tight in as anybody that, that we're going to talk to. So let me begin with this. In your opinion, does this move happen this week if the exact same things unfolded this past Sunday, but instead of against the bitter divisional rival that has owned the division and made the Colts their, you know, their little brother over the last five years that Jim Irsay has had to watch take control of the division that he thinks is rightly his, if that game had taken place on Sunday in Tampa or New New York, do we still reach this conclusion? Oh, I'm sure the fact that it was Tennessee again uh, had something to do with it. But look, I mean, he did. He is injured. I mean, this is not a bogus injury. I, I saw the hit um, that that caused this. He was in a lot of pain 
during the game. And I saw him in the locker room afterwards. He was having a hard time moving around. So uh, I think the injury just made for a convenient, uh, a convenient reason. I don't know that losing to Tennessee was necessarily the inspiration for it. It didn't help any. I mean, don't you think he wants his best guys out there to beat Dan Snyder? Well, which leads to this question, Bob, and I agree with that. But but here's that leads to my second part here, which is this: Do you believe that this move was made? Although Frank Reich did say that the, that this would have happened even without the injury, for what right. that's worth. But do you believe that this move was made? And we're going to say, for the sake of argument, by Jim Irsay, did they make this move because a he feels like this is still a playoff team and they just need a little burst of energy, or b he realized the ceiling with Matt Ryan was such that they were not playoff contenders, and therefore, let's go ahead and start the rebuild now. I think the feeling is, let's see what we've got. Uh, I think I think it's the latter. I think they know that the AFC South is gone. You know, they're 0-3-1. Um, I think they realize that, um, you know, I mean, it, what have you got to lose? I mean, if you play terrible and he's not the guy – then maybe you get a better draft pick. I mean, I mean, it sounds like tanking from Wembanyama for Christ's sake. But at this point, we know what, what what they've got in Matt Ryan, injured or not injured. Let's see what they can do with Sam Ellinger. And again, the the worst case the the worst case scenario is that bad. They stink out the joint. They kind of tank. I mean, you know, they're not going to try and lose, but they 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 go south and. They get a better draft pick. And look, if, if, if Stroud or Young or Levis or Hooker, if one of those guys isn't on this roster, then they've got to look, they got to look really hard at what the hell they're doing and who's doing it. Yeah, could not agree more on that. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, are you surprised at all they didn't kind of hide behind Matt Ryan's injury with this? Like, if they wanted to, they could have been like, you know, Matt Ryan's hurt. We're going to see if... He can go this week. If not, it'll be Sam Ellinger. Hell, they could have put Ryan on IR for a few games. Like they, they easily could have gone that path. Are you surprised they didn't? Yeah, they were strangely transparent about it. You know, because uh, Frank was asked, "Wait, would th- would this move have been made? Uh, you know, even if Matt Ryan had not been injured?" And he said, "Yes." And then we asked, "Well, is this for the rest of the season?" Yes. I think they realized. What, what we've been saying, and I've been writing for quite some time, is Matt Ryan, God bless him, nice guy, he's done. He, he, you know, nobody likes to hear that. I don't like to hear when people say I'm not the writer I used to be. Nobody likes to hear that. But, you know, he's making a lot of money, and, uh, you know, you, you got to perform. And he has not performed. I mean, he's the turnover king of the NFL. They weren't going to go anywhere with him. At this point, you know, you, you've eaten at the same restaurant. You might as well try something new. Bob, I threw this to Jake a little bit earlier and curious your thoughts on it. Um, Chris Boward obviously has sold his owner on this, you know, quick fix, band-aid, stop gap, whatever you want to call it, idea since Andrew Luck's retirement, which is eerily similar to how Jim Irsay handled the quarterback position, you know, back when he was the GM. Um, and then all of a sudden Manning and Luck, and you figure out what can happen when obviously you find a quarterback of 
you know, sustain success and all of that. Are you surprised that Ursay has signed off on this path? Again, it's difficult to find the future, but I think Ursay saw it firsthand from GM to being the sole owner of if you want sustained success, you got to find it in the draft or else these band-aids, they're going to come off at some point. Yeah, but here's my question. Was Car- when Carson came in here, and he's, I don't know how old he was when he got here, but he had to be mid-20s, late-20s. I mean, I don't think they looked at him as a band-aid. I think they looked at him as the future. He was the, he was the chosen successor. Uh, he was supposed to be a guy who was here for several years. So I don't think, I mean, clearly, uh, Philip Rivers was a band-aid. Um, clearly Matt Ryan was a two-year band-aid who's going to last seven games, but, um, you know, and, and I understand it to the sense in the sense that they do have a ton of talent or at least, you know, theoretically, I mean, seven pro bowlers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, do you want to, that, that, that window is open. You know, do you bring in a quarterback who's done it and been there and done it? I think you do. So, uh, but again, I think they, they looked at Carson Wentz as the future, um, and I, I think it's clear to Ursay and everybody else that next year has got to be the big draft. Does Matt Ryan now become Bob Kerry Collins? And by that I mean, if you recall Kerry Collins, and I asked Kevin this earlier, you know, for those of us that are old enough that were around, when Kerry Collins, when they decided, like, okay, this ain't it, he he had like some injury that put him on the, I think it was a, a concussion actually, but he had it for like ten weeks. We never right. saw him again. I still haven't seen him. Right? I think he's right. playing guitar on his porch somewhere. Uh, is that Matt Ryan's fate? Is Matt Ryan go back to Atlanta now and this is the end of it, or is he around yeah. and he works out and he's a good guy and etc. Well, I mean, I I think you know he'll he'll be around. I mean, I think he's got value in the quarterback room, but he's not going to see the field. Apple's Colts. Ever again. I mean, uh, I just don't see, you know, everybody could get hurt and, and he's not going to play again. I, again, I just think uh, I might have given Car- uh, Carson, might have given Matt Ryan one more chance, but I can totally, totally see this. I mean, um, you know, the season, the season record wise is not over, but I think we all realize that this is not sustainable. I mean, you know, the man leads the league in turnovers, for God's sake, and sacks. You know, the sacks are not all on him, obviously, but it, it was a disaster. And um, I, I'm still waiting for those receipts from Mike Greenberg. Did you read what Mike Greenberg wrote? Uh, we did a couple of weeks ago. No. Oh, he said uh, after Ryan had a good game against Jacksonville, he says, I sure hope Matt Ryan has receipts on a lot of people have been ripping him. Oh, that's right. Mm, boy, did you send him yours? Indeed, I did. <laughs> hey, I mentioned this earlier. Bob Kravitz, the athletic, is our guest, and he is on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Bob, this is what I, I'd mentioned earlier. You know, you have Carson Wentz was kind of indictment on Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, indictment. You know, I know that Jim Irsay really liked Matt Ryan, and then it doesn't work out, and. Ursay has to kind of wield his power to get Ellinger moved up into the depth chart and to the point of the starter. And Frank Wright comes out and says that we didn't give Matt Ryan the tools that was that were necessary. So now all of a sudden it kind of becomes indictment Chris Ballard. 
but it seems to me like Ballard is the one guy that everything, all the arrows seem to be flying past past him and nothing ever actually hits him. Is Chris Ballard in any way, shape, or form held to the fire by Jim Irsay over what is kind of a mess right now? Yeah, I think he is, but I, if you're asking me, you know, I've been asked a million times, who's in bigger trouble? I would have to say Frank Reich. Uh, I mean, you know, Frank is the one who signed off on Carson. Uh, he hasn't gotten it done with this offense really since Christmas of last year. Uh, and, and just the way, knowing the way the NFL works, I think they're going to give Chris Ballard uh, all the rope he needs and give him an opportunity to draft the successor at quarterback. Uh, my question, which I raised in, in the column today, yesterday, whatever it was, is if you can't trust him to find uh, uh, the short-term answer, what makes you think he's the right guy to find the, the, the long-term answer? I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, he's got a great reputation around the league. He's done some really good things in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of uh, talent evaluation. But this team hasn't been able to get over Tennessee. And Tennessee is not, you know, the, 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 the 85 Bears. I mean, this is a, they ought to be better than them. And they, they have been dominated in recent years. Bob, last one from me. Who needs the number one pick more, the Pacers or the Colts? Uh, the Indiana Pacers, thank you. Indiana Pacers. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's. Uh, I already know where he's going to live. You kidding me? He's Wembenyama is coming to Indianapolis. Write it down. Yeah, I mean, look, if they if they pick in the top ten, I see no reason why they can't maneuver. Wherever they end up, they have got to maneuver and get get in the top ten and get one of those quarterbacks. I, I just anything else is utter malpractice and ineptitude. There's no way the Colts this year are... I mean, the biggest lock in the history of locks is that the Colts are going to use their first pick on a quarterback, right? I gotta think so. Unless, Kevin, unless Sling and Sam goes out there and gets it done, right? Hook them. That'd be an amazing story, though. I mean, it's not going to happen, okay? Let's make that clear. I'm rooting for the guy. He is a wonderful guy. He's great to talk to. He's smart. He's he's got a lot lot on the ball, but we, nobody thinks this guy's going to pull a Tom Brady, you know. And uh, no, I mean you, you've got to go out and, and enough with the band aids. You've got to go out and get your guy next year. I don't think there's any question about it. Again, Bob's latest, some more detail and thoughts on this situation. Matt Ryan bench before Halloween. Sam Ellinger the starter on Sunday. Bob, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Take care.